precious name that I pray. And all God's people said, amen. You guys can have a seat. You may have a seat. Do me a favor and just put your hands together and welcome Andrew back. It is great to have you, Andrew. Thank you. Came all the way down from D.C. Uh, to lead us tonight, and we miss you. And, uh, man, I remember when you came here as a freshman, and now you're all grown up and have a job. So I'm sure your parents are glad about that. Anyway, um, um, this is the first phone I've ever had with a touch screen, okay? So I did not know that phones scan. So it was, when I heard that in Stampede a couple weeks ago, I was shocked, okay? So really, how many of y'all have a phone that scans? Okay, welcome to the 21st century, Pastor Sean. Anyway, um, that's what I've got tonight. I'm going to continue in a series, uh, actually fi finishing a series tonight uh, that I've been doing called Tough Truths in the Bible. Uh, do me a favor, inside of your bulletin is a handout. You can find it, follow along with me there. Uh, while you're kind of getting ready, um, I want to remind you of two things that uh, uh, are going on. Number one, uh, man, I really, really want to encourage you uh, next weekend. Is it next weekend or the following weekend is uh, a, a great seminar uh, called Avoiding Landmines in Life, okay? Uh, it's a men's event. It's a great opportunity. I'll tell you what, uh, a church that is filled with men that are fired up for Christ, uh, there's, there's something about a man, and I, I'm not trying to be a sexist. I think it's biblical, too. Uh, when men are humbly submitted to Christ, submitted um, to his rule in their lives, man, they can make a huge difference. And so, man, I really want to encourage you, a great starting point if you're kind of just getting on track with the Lord. It's a great starting point. Okay, that's next weekend. So it's in your bulletin. There's ways to sign up. You can sign up online. You can sign up with a real person on the way out. I really want to encourage you there. Second thing, maybe you didn't notice this this evening, but at this end of the parking lot, if you remember back in uh, late fall, uh, Christmas time, I said that we needed to house our food ministry here on site. And so we had to build some housing for that or some... Uh, some glorified sheds, if you will. They're a little bit bigger than that. But uh, So we broke ground this week, okay, down there at the end of the parking lot. You'll notice that on the way out. And and I want to remind you with that, okay, to do that and to bring our food ministry on site. Uh, it's costing us about $40,000. And so if you want to donate and help make that happen, man, we'd love for you to do that. You can just at the in the... Uh, however much God leads you to donate, you can donate in the offering plate and just put in their building uh, in the memo line, and I'll get on our building fund, and, and we'll pay for that. It's good stuff, though, isn't it? And this is March Missions Madness. We've been, we've been trying to highlight this month uh, where your donations go. Now, uh, this, more, this evening, uh, this is the second time you've been reminded it's morning, and it's not. So, um, so this evening, uh, I'm doing another tough truth. Okay, I've added to it, and, and this is the one that's uncomfortable. Uh, the story is told of... Um, of two men that got stranded on an island. And uh, they, they, their, their plane went down. They were on a small plane. It went down. They got stranded on an island. And the first man begins to panic. And he's like, man, I've looked over this small little island. There's no fresh water. I haven't been able to find any food. And we're, we're, it's just a matter of days before we die here. And the second man, he's kind of propped up under a palm tree. And he doesn't seem to be sweating it at all. And, and so the first man who's panicking already says, what's wrong with you? We're going to die here. Didn't I just hear me? There's no food and there's no water. And, and this man says, we... You don't understand, I, I, make, a, I make about $100,000 a week. And the panic man looks at him and goes, what good is your money going to do you now? I just told you there's no food, there's no water. And the calm man looked at him and says, well, you don't understand, I just told you I make $100,000 a week. And I'm a believer in tithing to my local church. That means my local church gets $10,000 a week. And I'm pretty sure my pastor's already looking for me. So um, today, uh, we're going to, this evening, uh, we're going uh, to talk about the uncomfortable truth of tithing. Um, 
this is one of these ones I don't even really enjoy talking about because I know people don't want to hear about it. Uh, however, it's a truth that's all through the scriptures. Um, and and it's, it's only a tough truth because it's... Um, I just realized I'm bumping my phone. I'm probably going to elbow dial somebody and they're going to hear the sermon too that doesn't really want to hear it. So um, it's only a tough truth because it's so personal. Uh, It's only a tough truth because um, we all are aware of times where churches have abused this concept, okay? So that's what makes it a tough truth. In fact, I think I'm I'm going to work with a couple assumptions here tonight. One of the assumptions is that you recognize that there are many places in the Bible um, that talk about giving and giving generously. Um, From a theological standpoint, the only place that this is tough is uh, there is some debate whether or not the New Testament teaches whether you should tithe or give generously. Uh, my answer to that is yes and yes, okay? Uh, Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 23, uh, once got onto the Pharisees, and he said, you Pharisees, you, you, you tithe on your, on your spices, basically, on your mint and your cumin, and he, go, he goes, you're, you're missing the greater matters of the law. And then he comes back and he says, tithing you should do. So he, he doesn't deny that we should tithe, but the rest of the New Testament talks about as people of followers that are Jesus that we're, we're generous and generous in our donations to others. Okay, so I'm going to work with the assumption that we understand that there's a lot in the Bible about giving and giving generously. Okay, and so I'm going to kind of go on a little different route here tonight. I, I'm actually going to give a little bit of a testimony and I want to share with you why I give. Okay, and, and so giving for me... Uh, is something that my parents instilled in me at a young age. Uh, from the very first check I ever received, I was taught the importance of donating and, and generously giving and, and honestly tithing. And it's something that's been built into my life even before I was the pastor of a church. And so I just want to go through and, and I want to talk to you guys on a kind of a personal note about why I tithe or why I give, okay? The first reason I tithe is this. I, the God that I surrender to calls me to give. It's as simple as that. I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ Um, as a Christian. uh, Becoming a Christian means that you've surrendered uh, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the God that I surrender to is a generous God. Can we agree on that? He's a generous God. Probably, uh, we're going to actually cover this verse. I don't think I've ever preached on it. Uh, specifically in the spring when I go through the Gospel of John, but John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he did what? What did he do, church? He gave. We have a giving God. Um, That's the God that I've surrendered to as a follower of Christ. He's generous and he's a giver. And Romans says in in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, the Apostle Paul argues whenever you feel shortchanged in life to remember that that the God that we we worship and serve, he's, he's already given us his best gift. It's a, it's a, a greater to the lesser argument. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Paul writes, uh, since God did not, even, uh, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also do what? Give us what? Everything else, right? And so it's a kind of a greater, the, the God that I've surrendered my life to has called me to give, but it starts with the fact that he's a generous God. I, I serve a generous God. There's a gentleman that... Uh, has since passed away, and I'm actually going to illustrate using him a little later in the sermon, but he used to say this. He was one of our founding elders of this church. He used to say, the last thing to get baptized is a person's wallet. 
And he used to say that. Now, if you're, if you're not laughing, like, I don't get it. Okay, let me explain that to you, okay? When a person gets baptized, and in fact, we're going to do baptism in a couple weeks. And, and by the way, it's kind of a side note. If that's something you've been praying about, if you'd let us know that on the tariff, man, we would love to talk to you about what it means to be baptized. But baptism is when a person says, you know what? I've died to myself, and I'm now surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and this founding elder of course you say the last thing to get baptized is our wallet because that's the last thing we really want to surrender to christ sometimes isn't that true and so uh, we as a follower of jesus we've we, we we've surrendered everything to god i've surrendered my mouth and i've surrendered my thought life and i've surrendered my disciplines i've surrendered my tv viewing i've surrendered what i look at on the internet and certainly i've surrendered my wallet to jesus christ the god that i've surrendered to has called me to give um, I believe, uh, and by the way, what, does anybody here know what the word tithe means? Does anybody know what it means? It, it literally means the word tenths, okay? And so as a follower of Jesus, uh, what I have always done is given a tithe to the local church. I've always started with, I want to bless the local church with a tenth of my income. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute, why I think that's important, why it's always been a big part of my giving, okay? Uh, but to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the God that I've surrendered to, he asks us to surrender everything that we are. Not 95%, not 80%, but 100%. Every part of our lives is to be surrendered to him. In fact, um, one of the things that I've in the past that hopefully I've matured past, I hope, uh, but we, we, as we grow, sometimes when I donate, I think about the people that aren't giving. You ever do that? Not that you're going to admit right in front of other church people like, ah, I'm giving, but those people don't give. Right. And, and here's why I don't worry about that anymore. My, I'm surrendered to Christ. And these are convictions that God has laid on my heart. And because, like we talked about last week, I believe there's going to come a day I'm going to stand before the God of the universe. It really doesn't matter what anyone else does. It really doesn't. What matters is what am I going to be convicted about? Am I surrendered to Christ? Is my wallet surrendered? And so I believe, and I've just always donated a tenth as a starting point of generosity uh, to my local church. And so uh, I've surrendered to God, and God has my wallet, Okay. Number two, the second reason that I give, okay, is at Coastal, we have a membership commitment, all right, that we ask our members. Last year, uh, we have grown at Coastal to where we have just under 300 members, okay? Is that right, Jeff? About 290, 280, 280, 290 members at Coastal Community Church. And we, the members of Coastal, they sign a commitment or a commitment says, hey, I'm committing. And there's several things in this commitment that we commit ourselves to. We commit ourselves to living in community, okay? And we want to make sure that our lives are mutually submitted to some others. We want to make sure that we're in a small group ministry where we've committed to being inviters in the community as members of the church. We want to be out in the community inviting people to Coastal Community Church. We've committed ourselves to, to serving in a ministry of Coastal Community Church. And every year we ask our members to look that commitment letter over and say, are these things or disciplines that are still in your lives? And one of the things that we ask our members to commit to is to tithe the Coastal Community Church. Um, and, and that's what our members at Coastal have committed to. And, and I take that commitment seriously. James chapter 5 says this. It says, James writes, says, but most of all, my brothers and sisters never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else, just a simple yes or no, uh, so that you will not sin and be condemned for it. And so, again, I take this commitment seriously. Now, 
One of the things that we, we teach in our membership class, this might be a little controversial this evening, but I don't really think it is. Well, one of the things we teach is we say that we don't ask our church members to do anything more or anything less than the Bible asks a follower of Jesus Christ to do. I want you to hear that again. We don't ask our church members to do anything more or anything less than the Bible asks them, uh, a follower of Jesus Christ to do. And we believe that the Bible teaches as followers of Jesus we surrendered to him. He has our wallet, and we're going to be generous givers to our local church, all right? The third thing about tithe, the third reason I tithe, okay? The third reason I tithe is, um, good, it's wrong in my notes. I was making sure I had it right on the screen. Tithing positions my life to receive God's blessing. Tithing positions my life to receive God's blessing. I really believe that, actually, and I believe it because I think that's what the Bible says. I want you to hear this, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Malachi 3, verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, in Old Testament times, this was bringing it to the local temple, okay? Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, or some of your verses say the Lord of heaven's host. If you do, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it or let me prove it to you. Some of your verses say, put me to the test. This is actually the only place in the Bible where God says you can test him on something. Did you know that? And so on tithing and it's on giving. Um, I want you to know something. I, I, I really believe this verse. I want you to hear that again. I really believe this verse is true. And so one of the reasons that I tithe is to position my life, if my hand here was an umbrella, to position my life to be under the umbrella of God's blessing. I, um, I've told you this before that my wife and I, we, we, do a, we live on a budget, okay? And, and so some of y'all are like really techno savvy. I didn't even know if phones could scan, okay? But apparently you can do budgets in Excel spreadsheets, okay? I don't do that. I use a yellow legal pad, and it's really simple. Each year, I save almost every receipt of everything we spend, and I put it in a category, and then I add that category up, and I divide by 12, and I put that on the budget line. So in other words, I know how, many, how much I spent on car repairs last year, so I budget for that in the coming year, figuring my cars will probably break down again, okay? I know how much it costs to heat my house, and so I just add that up and divide by 12, and I know what it costs to heat my house, okay? And as each year I build a budget, okay? And at the very top of the budget, before I do anything else, the, and it, it's kind of symbolic for me, actually, at the very top, I put my tithe, and I want you to hear this, okay, on my gross income, and I put that at the very top of the budget, and it's, it's symbolic of, man, everything I'm about to do is under the umbrella of God's blessing, okay? The second line in my budget is what I call offerings. Okay, so tithes is what we give to our local church. And, and, and offerings is when someone sends us a letter and says, hey, I'm going to Africa, can you support me? And I don't go, well, I'll just withdraw that from my tithe. No, that's offerings for me and my family. Okay, that's how we do that. And, you know, hey, when we give to the, if we want to give to the, you know, the mission, the food ministry, that's offerings. That's over and above. To me, tithe for us and my family is the floor, it's the starting point of generosity. Now, I want to tell you something, church. I do this budget. I've been doing this since I got married, okay? We're heading into our 20th year of marriage this year, okay? We've been doing this since I can remember. And I can tell you this, and all my financial advisors in here will come get me after the service and say, that's bad, okay? But I can tell you this. There have been more times than not that when I added all the numbers up and added up my income, 
that the bottom line numbers didn't make sense. There have been more times than not that I've tithed when the numbers haven't made sense than when I've tithed and it has made sense. Does that make sense? Does it look like I've ever missed a meal? That was rude. Okay, so, <clears throat> no, you know what? No, God has always provided for us. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable when you put God first in your finances. Why do I do that? Why do I put that tithe and that offering at the top of the budget? Because I believe Malachi 3.10. And I'm not just talking about, by the way, I'm not just talking about finances, although that's part of it. And I'm talking about the blessings of God providing when you don't see it coming, getting either blessing you with health or getting you through tough times, you know, raising kids in the Lord, marriage, things like that. When you put God first in the area of finances, it's incredible to watch and see what God does. By the way, let me take a little side trail here, okay, uh, talking about budgeting, okay? Um, next, is it next week, Jeff, FPU class? Next week, we're, we're starting our Financial Peace University. Uh, maybe you're sitting here t tonight, and as I'm talking, you're like, man, Pastor, I would love to give or give more, but, man, I am just, like, neck deep or eye deep in debt, okay? Now, one of the verses that I've been introducing to you all as a church family really ever since about 2008 when it's become acute, we've all been acutely aware of the, of the stranglehold of debt, okay? Uh, Proverbs 22.7 says, the debtor is the servant to the lender. How many of y'all have ever heard that verse, okay? Is that a true verse? Yes, okay? Some of us in this room have experienced, you know, the real stranglehold of debt. And so we want to encourage you. We want to be a debt-free community. Even at, here at Coastal, in this church building, okay, we, had, we took a loan to build this building. We're making double payments on this building to get debt-free as quickly as possible. Okay, we're on track to be debt-free in probably six to seven years if we keep going the way we're going, and God continues to bless us, okay? Uh, but the FPU class is a great uh, Financial Peace University class. If you're neck deep, maybe your finances are great, and you want to take the next step in growing your investment and being more generous, it's a great, great class. That information's in there. I really want to encourage you, college students, okay? Um, college students, how many, how many of you in this room with gray hair or balding hair or whatever would love to grab yourself when you are in college and go, don't take on so much debt? How many, any, yes, right? Uh, college students, I want to encourage you. It's a great spot for you guys, okay? Uh, get this stuff early. Um, and, so, and so we budget in my home. One of the reasons we give is we budget in our home with the tithe being right at the forefront. Why? Because I believe Malachi 3.10. Okay? That God will literally bless your socks off when you put him first in the area of giving. Okay. Fourth reason we, I give. Okay? And, and uh, this one's kind of like you're probably going to be like he's supposed to say that. You're probably like he's supposed to say this whole sermon. Anyway, um, I love to support the vision of Coastal Community Church. I really do. Um, I love to support the vision of Coastal Community Church. Our, our vision of Coastal Community Church is develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We, want, we don't want you to follow the church, this particular church, so much. We don't want you to follow Pastor. We want you to be followers of Jesus Christ. And I love to support the vision of this church. It's filled with r real down-to-earth people. I love the people at this church. I love, I see some of you out here, and I know how God has changed your lives through the ministry of this church. I love that. I love that we feed hungry people. This is March Missions Madness. Every week we've been showing you a video of the missions that we support from your generous donations. I love that we're passionate about missions here. I love so many of the ministries here. You know, our children's 
ministry, our student ministry, the missions that we support, men's ministry, women's ministry, prayer ministry. By the way, there's a great prayer tool in your bulletin that's supported by the ministries and the donations of this church. Okay, I just love the small group ministries and how so many of you are connected in small groups. I love when I hear stories about how small groups ministered to others in their small group and outside their small groups, stuff I didn't even know about. I love when I hear that there's ministries going on I didn't even know was happening. It happens all the time. I love to support the mission of this church. I genuinely believe God is doing something unique and special at Coastal Community Church. I really believe that. I love to support the missions of Coastal Community Church, all right, and the ministry of Coastal. The fifth reason I give uh, is I want to leave a legacy with my finances, okay? I want to leave a legacy with my finances. Um, I want my financial resources to outlast me, okay? How much of your bank account are you going to take with you? None, okay? None of it, okay? It all gets left behind. But there's, I think there's some of your financial resources that you can give forward, if you will. And uh, I think the Bible even hints at that, all right? And and I want to leave a, for me, it's bigger than just, you know, I'm passing forward. I really want to leave a legacy and, uh, and I'm a huge believer in the local church as the vehicle to do that. Remember what Jesus said about the church? There's a, uh, <clears throat> Jesus said this. He, uh, Peter, um, the apostle Peter um, said that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. And you remember what Jesus' response to that was? That's right, Peter. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my, what? Church. And the gates of, what? Hell will not prevail against it. And I love for my financial resources to be a part of funding the kingdom of God, really. And I, and I love that I'm leaving a legacy. I, uh, I, I, talked to, I used the illustration earlier about the guy who said that the um, last thing about a person to get baptized is wild. It was, it was a guy that uh, actually passed away, went home to be with the Lord about six years ago, a guy by the name of Wayne Baldwin. Okay, How many in this room remember Mr. Wayne Baldwin? See, it's, you have to be a long timer here. Okay, Mr. Wayne Baldwin. He was one of our founding elders at Coastal Community Church. We, we kind of roped him into high-level spiritual leadership when we were starting the church because we didn't have a lot of gray hairs running around at the time, okay? And, and we felt like, man, we needed some spiritual maturity. And, um, and actually, uh, Wayne Baldwin uh, came to this church. Uh, he hated the contemporary church, okay? During the music, he hated the, he liked old school music. He hated our music. He'd be out there, and he didn't like the music, okay? And, and, but he came to this church because he was sick and tired of being a part of dying churches in the community, and he wanted to be a part of a church that was vibrant, teaching the word, and reaching young people, all right? Um, the seats that you're sitting in right now, he was a big part of negotiating this God price for this property, okay? You're sitting on some spots. I actually have pictures of him walking this property and praying over it. And I, I give you that story because this man wanted to leave a legacy. He wanted to be a part of a church. I know he lived on a fixed income, but he was a regular donor to Coastal Community Church. He's no longer with us today, but I'm telling his story because I, I agree with his passion for leaving a legacy, and so I give because I want to leave a legacy. There's going to come a day where I won't be here anymore either. But man, I want to make sure that my donations are a part of a church that's teaching the word of God, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and passing on that truth from one generation to the next for the glory of God. That's the fifth reason I give. The sixth reason I give is this. Tithing reminds me that I'm only a steward. 
Tithing is a reminder to me that I'm only a steward of the resources God has given me, right? You guys probably know the story of Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus tells the story of the stewards, right? And he gives one uh, five talents or five bags of silver. He gives another one three and another one one bag of silver. And they're to take those talents or those resources and to invest them. And so the king goes away and the one with five bags doubles his, he's got 10, and the one with three bags of silver doubles his, he's got six, and the one with one bag of silver, he buried it in the ground, right? And you remember, it's, a, it, it's actually some of the most horrifying words of the New Testament are reserved for the guy who didn't do anything uh, with his resources, right? But what's really cool is the ones who used their resources and doubled them. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, 23? Look at this, it says, when the master came back, he said, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate them together, all right? Now, here's what I think that means in the, in the area of finances. I believe it, that that verse and that concept applies to our time, talent, and money, okay? But let's talk about it in the area of finances, okay? I think for me, it means that I steward my resources well, so I live on a budget, that's why, why not every dollar just gets to go willy-nilly wherever it wants. Okay, we steward, we live on a budget so that we can be disciplined, so that there's margin in our finances to be generous. And there's times where finances get tight, right? We've all experienced that. And guess what me and my family do when times get tight? We reevaluate and we reassess and we cut back if need to so that there's margin and room to steward our resources and to make sure we're giving and tithing to our local church. And, and I do that because it reminds me that all that I have, no matter how much or how little, I'm only a steward of it. Does that make sense? I think a lot of times we think, well, if I had more, then I would give. Not true. Okay? It's just not true. Because no matter how much you have, you're always going to be wanting a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Matthew 25 reminds me, I'm a steward of what I have. It's not, about, it's not about amounts, okay? It's not about how much or how little I make here on earth. It's how do I steward my resources so that I can be generous with what I have, all right? And I believe that those who steward their resources well will stand before God one day and say, you didn't have a ton, but what, did you gave, what I gave you, you stewarded it well. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I put you in charge of a little bit. We're going to expand that for all eternity. Isn't that cool stuff? I believe I'm a steward of what God has given me. All right? The seventh reason why I give. All right? This is my final run. This is a biggie in this culture. Helps me defeat the sin of materialism. Giving helps me defeat the sin of materialism. Um, now, this may seem like a, a kind of an odd reason, um, if I had to point to a sin in this culture, it wouldn't be sexual sin, although I think that's one that's challenging our culture. But I think actually the, if I could point in our culture to one key sin that I think is dis disrupting our culture as a whole, it's, it's materialism. It's a lack of contentment with what we have. And so tithing um, helps me attempt to keep that at bay. Does that make sense? In a very real, very important way. I, I got, I, um, 
this uh, actually Friday, I give online, actually. Uh, I always feel weird when the offering plays pass on the pastor and I don't put anything in. I'm going to start doing it just because I feel bad. But I give online. And, uh, and I got to do that on Friday, right? I want you to hear what I just said. I got to do that. It's exciting to do that. It's exciting to be a part of Coastal Community Church and, and uh, in that way. But, but it reminds me to be content with what I have. Look at this 1 Timothy 6, and I, I think I had a typo in my notes. Good, got it right again. 1 Timothy 6, 8. Paul writes this. He says, so if you have enough food and clothing, clothing let us be content. Did you hear that? Y'all look clothed. All right, y'all look well fed. That's really hard to do, isn't it, by the way? Um, But people who long to be rich, man, they can fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many of sorrows. By the way, that, that verse is often uh, sadly misquoted, right? How often have you heard it said like this? Didn't you know that money is the root of all evil? How many of y'all have heard that? That's not what it says, right? It says the love of money, which, by the way, um, many of the blessings that we have at Coastal Community Church because some people donate here. Our money's not a bad thing. What's a bad thing is when it becomes the idol of our heart. It's the difference between you having money and money having you. Okay, and you being content, and so what? Give what tithing does for me is it it helps me make sure that I'm keeping the sin of of materialism at bay a little bit. Does that make sense? Um, and so it, it uh, you know it reminds me um, to ask the question, and I think this is a question that we all should ask when we make uh, significant purchases. Even small purchases, all right? Tithing helps remind me, do I really need this? And in fact, it's, and, and again, if you're here tonight and you're, you're investigating Coastal or Jesus or whatever, like, I'm sorry, like, this is, I'm just going to apologize. This is not the message. So I'm really talking to those who are here tonight and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, I really believe if we're really stewards and we're really pursuing contentment and we're really pursuing leaving a legacy financially and, and all that stuff... Like, with every purchase, we should be asking, do I really need to do this, right? And, 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 and listen, it's okay to take a vacation. It's okay to drive a nice car and all that stuff. But, but I think each purchase we need to go, is it, do I really need to do this, okay? Um, and, and, and so, you know, when we, do I really need the latest computer or flat screen or car, house, toy, gaming system, whatever, to be happy? None of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But we do have to ask, is, is this, if I bought into the culture too much, and am I really content with what God has me? And so, you know, giving helps me keep the sin of materialism at bay. Now, do I think by giving a tithe, now God's happy with me? No. Don't, don't hear me tonight say, whew, it's just a box to check, okay? It's, it's more, I hope you've heard it's more than that. It's, it's a heart that I want to worship Jesus Christ. I want to fund, help fund the gospel message of God. Um, but, but giving is one of the ways I, I check to make sure um, my heart is content and the sin of materialism hasn't gripped me. My wife sent me this video. Um, 
I've been hesitant all week to show it. I've been off and on, but obviously I'm showing it. Um, my wife sent me this video. It was sent to her by someone here at Coastal. Uh, you'll actually see that this is, some of you will recognize this is a local person. And it's a, I say this in quotes, it's a prank on a homeless man. Uh, I want you to watch this. Hey guys, so for the last couple of weeks, I've been noticing a homeless guy hanging around this local shopping center that I live next to. And from what people have told me is that he's a nice and respectable guy. So today, I'm going to make him think that he just won the lottery. I'm going to give him the supposed winning lottery ticket, take him to the store, and see how much money is won from this ticket. But little does he know is that this is a losing lottery ticket, and the store clerk is in on it. Hope you guys enjoyed the video. Listen, man, I don't really have any money uh -huh. to give you, but I do have this winning lottery ticket. I don't really know how much I won. I can give this to you, okay? You sure, my man? Yeah, I could take you to the store and we could get this cash. All right. How's that sound? That's cool, my friend. Let's do this, brother. I just want to see if we won. Guess what? I won $1,000. $1,000? You won $1,000. You're kidding me, right? You're kidding me, right? Come on, man. You kidding me. You kidding me. You kidding me. You kidding me. You're so lucky. Okay, here's your money. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm not kidding you, man. Nine, ten, okay. Okay, thank you. Good luck. <laughs> I want to share it, man. Oh, come on. That's all yours, man. To share it, man. No, that's all yours, man. It's right here. It will be enough for me. It's all good. I would like to share it with you, big guy. You earned it. You won the lottery, man. Get out of here. I've been doing this for a long time. A long time. I never, never, my friend had somebody do what you just did, my friend. Never. Pretty cool prank, huh? You know what stuck out to me with that? His spirit of generosity. That's what hit me. You know what hit me? The gospel of grace. I loved how he said, you earned it. I was like, he didn't earn that. It was a gift. And it makes me think about the times, God, God, you've been so good to me. You, and I, I'm, I'm going to keep it all to myself. And how quick he was to donate and share blew me away. And I thought, man. As children of the King of Kings, who owes it all, owns it all, and says, I just want you to be a conduit of my grace with your time and your talent and your money. And how quick.
quick we can be to hoard. No, no, let me take that back. How quick I can be to hoard. And I watch that video and I think, God, I want to be so much more open-handed with the resources that you've given me. And I want to have the spirit of grace and generosity that a man who has nothing, and I think most of us in this room would agree, $1,000 doesn't go that far in this culture. And he was given almost half of it back. Right? And the pastor talks about donating a tenth to help fund the kingdom. And we all get edgy. pray that we're gripped by the gospel so deeply of the God who so generously gave that we're open-handed with our resources, our time, our talent, and our money to make Jesus famous. Why do I give? I give because we have a generous God. He's gracious and he's generous. And I pray that all of us would be a generous people. Not because God needs our money, but because he's molding us into his image of the kind of God he is. Let's close with Father, thank you for a great reminder from a guy who has almost nothing. And um, if there was ever a guy that needed a thousand dollars, God, it's him. And he was so quick. I don't need all this. And God, one of the things I love about Coastal actually is it's a generous people. Always has been. And uh, God, we we want to be open-handed with your gifts to us um, to make Jesus famous. That's our heartbeat. And, and actually, God, we're, uh, we're just about to take up the offering. I, I pray, God, that you would take uh, these donations, God, and you would multiply it uh, in our church body, in our community, in our nation, globally to make Jesus Christ famous. And we thank you, God, for being a generous God to us. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. This is our offering time. Uh, if you're a guest with us this evening, I know I preached on giving, but I do want you to know we are not after your money. Um, this service is our gift to you, so don't feel an obligation to give. Um, <clears throat> We, uh, this is just one of the ways we worship the Lord at Coastal Community Church, and so you're certainly welcome to join us in that. We've been doing something a little different this month called this March Missions Madness, and uh, we support many, many missions organizations through the donations of Coastal Community Church. In fact, we make sure 10 cents of every dollar goes out to missions, and so we're really trying to highlight those for you so you'll know more about them, and, and, uh, and there's ways you can get involved with these missions as well if they kind of tug at your heart. Um, the one we're going to show you today is the Charlotte Eagles Soccer Club. Uh, it's an interesting ministry. They play professional soccer here in the country, and they use that um, to spread the gospel internationally. Now, I know a lot of times you hear professional sports, and you think plenty of money. Okay, they don't have plenty of money. They're supported by a lot of churches, and players don't make a lot of money. Most of them play 
could be making more elsewhere, and they play in order to help make Christ famous. Uh, so I want to want you to watch that. Before I do, I want to remind you after the service, uh, or as we're wrapping up, if God has spoken to your heart, or you come in here tonight with a heavy burden, you want to talk to someone, pray with someone, we always have a member of our prayer team sitting up front. They wear purple shirts, and, and uh, they, would, they would love to pray with you. So the name of the organization is Missionaries Athletes International, and this particular group is called the Charlotte Eagles. Watch this video. Our desire is to build on our last 30 years of experience by creating training programs to prepare players through a season of training for a lifetime of service. With the Eagles, it's just an amazing environment because you are playing at a really high level and it's cutthroat, it's hard, it's competition, but you're challenged to live out your faith in that environment. Yeah, especially we start uh, the first three months of each year, we do sports ministry training. I feel like those are just incredible sessions to just equip you for using sports, uh, especially soccer, to spread the gospel. We're training our men to, to take their faith and put it on the field. That's through transformation. Why are you on the field? Why do you step on the field? Is it to win a game and compete, or is it truly to glorify the Lord? Our ministry is the way we play soccer. So you got 25 of some of the most competitive people I've ever met in my life. Um, we're like a family that we've got one goal, and that is to love the Father and serve the Father with all we got. The Urban Eagles was one of the first ministries that went to a place and just stayed there and put roots down deep, just lived in a place. Sports ministry brought us into the neighborhood. We were using soccer to build relationships with the kids. Play soccer for an hour, hour and a half, and then sit down with kids and just tell them how much God loved them. God had a plan for their life. I mean, the whole community is being changed. Being at camp with kids, I felt more alive than I've ever felt. Working with kids just kind of opens your mind up to the idea of coaching, which over the years has really kind of snowballed for me and is something that I have a great passion for as well. One of the kids in my group accepted Jesus Christ, so that was really special. It showed me that, that God has a plan for all of us and he's, uh, he's got a purpose for me, for me being here. So youth tours are basically a collection of a boys team and a girls team, and then we take them down for two weeks in Brazil and we get to allow them to actually do sports ministry and try it out and be involved in that. We were in a city and we went to the local futsal court and because we were Americans, we drew a huge crowd and because we drew a huge crowd, we had a big crowd to hear the gospel. God has really done a transforming work in my heart and it's come through a lot of different experiences that I've had here in Charlotte. It's just amazing, it's remarkable the difference now being trained like I want to do it. I know I've been called to do it. I know I can go overseas. I'm capable. We definitely wouldn't be able to be here in Charlotte doing inner city ministry of the Urban Eagles if we hadn't had the training. We, we felt really believed in, like that anything was possible. And that's what this organization is about, is impacting people so that they can take what they learn here and how they grow here back in their daily lives and change lives wherever they are. That's Jesus' model empower a few and they go and they transform a few more and it grows exponentially. MAI and the Charlotte Eagles have been able to offer a message of hope through sports to the youth around the world.
Let's stand and go out singing this morning.